0: Podcast episode 41 here. Peter, it's Monday night, about quarter till nine. We've got the Oklahoma State KU game going on right now. I did not attend because I figured we had no chance, but to my (laughs) surprise, we're on a nice little 12 0 run or something like that now. Cut it to a six point lead. Uh, Honestly, though, it's hard to even talk about basketball without mentioning the Kobe news. Obviously, at this point, everyone has heard it's been a little bit over 24 hours now and. It's been rough, man. I mean, the whole basketball world, the whole world in general, it seems like has been mourning. Um, Felt like literally everyone just stopped yesterday and everything stood still for a few hours when the news came in. And stuff like this is just your worst nightmare. I mean, you feel awful for the families that are involved outside of just Kobe. And just a horrible deal that his second oldest daughter, Gigi, was on the helicopter and. Just nightmares, man. Just terrible stuff. Um, I know we've both got some thoughts on it here. Anything you want to say as we get into this or do you just kind of want to get right to what we've got prepared to say?
1: Yeah, I'll just say a couple things and then let you get into it. Yeah, you called me yesterday. I got some text message. It might have been you that was breaking the news to me. And then you called me like immediately after. And normally, you know, you and I talk multiple times a week whether it's preparing for our show or just about you know work life plans like whatever, but right. you called me and you were like I don't even know what you said. The conversation might as I, I well. I couldn't get
0: very many words out. Yeah, I just remember being able to say it. It's real. I mean, it, it's confirmed from what I can see. Yeah, and I didn't feel too good, man. I I it was a quick call and. It's still, I mean, pardon me if I mumble and kind of stutter and have a hard time getting my words together because it's still a subject that is not easy to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think we exchanged like maybe four to five sentences. That was it. You're like, I don't feel good. I need to go. And it just didn't seem real. It was a TMZ report at first. And every, anytime you see that, you think, how in the hell could this be real? Especially with a figure as big as Kobe. And we're just sitting here, you know, texting back and forth, everyone's group chats start blowing up, uh, conflicting reports about whether or not his family was on the helicopter or not. It was just all types of a mess. And then, you know, eventually we kind of got the full story. I had to leave my apartment just to kind of get back into motion, you know, and try to not think about it for a minute. You know, granted, I went to go shoot around at the rec center, but... You know, I've just felt like that was the only thing I could do to, you know, channel my energy and emotions in the right way at the time, and I'm glad I did it, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm still, I still don't really know what to think. I've talked to a few people today about it, but yeah, I guess just go ahead. I have some other thoughts written out about, you know, what Kobe was to me and his legacy to me, but I'm curious to hear what you've got.
0: Okay, so... Just going to start by mentioning the Grammys paid a tribute last night, which was pretty cool to see. I mean, all over the U.S., and I'm sure all over the world, people have been paying tribute. The games that are supposed to be played Tuesday night in Staples Center, or the game against Lakers and Clippers, has been postponed, and rightfully so, I think. Yeah. And, <clears throat> really, what I've got prepared here is just kind of like you were saying, just some thoughts on Kobe <laughs> and what he meant to the game of basketball, the sports world, and just to people in general uh and it's probably not the first time you've heard this and it's probably not going to be the last sorry to cut you off I'm I'm genuinely curious
1: because you and I have like very different opinions on certain things and growing up I don't think either one of us talked a whole lot about Kobe and there might be some similarities in our stories but I'm expecting I'm expecting something a little bit different from you
0: yeah it's I kind of have a unique perspective on it and Really, just going to kind of get right into it. And like I was saying, I'm sure it's not the first time you've heard this, and it definitely won't be the last. But Kobe really did transcend the game of basketball in a way that few people have ever done with a sport or a craft of theirs before. He had this innate ability to just stop everything that was going on in the sports world and in the world in general. I mean, him, LeBron, and Tiger maybe throw Brady in there. They're the only people that I've ever witnessed be able to do anything like this. Kobe was capable of doing things so insane and achieving greatness in a way that it brought people together that normally you can't bring people together that way. I mean, he did things that were so insane. You had people of all walks of life, all races, all types of beliefs at a gas station talking about it, at a bar watching, just witnessing the greatness that Kobe provided and It was something so incredible. I remember when I was little, my whole neighborhood, they were getting together and it just seemed like a week-long party. And every night or two, they were just going crazy watching these Lakers games. And I remember I knew who Kobe was, but I was so little, I didn't really understand the magnitude of it or what was going on. And... It was when he was going on this ridiculous 50-point streak, And looking back on it, it's so incredible to me that my whole neighborhood was coming together to watch this. Yes, that was a slightly different era when you actually knew your neighbors, I feel like, and did things with them. <laughs> but these people weren't basketball fans I mean watching football on Sundays was normal to them but none of them were NBA people I mean they'd make a March Madness bracket and whatnot but they were not diehard NBA fans like you and I are and they don't even watch basketball at all now and it's crazy that one guy not only had them watching basketball they had them just magnified. I mean, it was like a massive party. Can Kobe hit 50 again? And it was always past my bedtime when the games would be going on, but I didn't give a damn. I wanted to stay up to see, just because it was crazy to me, one, that this guy was dropping 50 points, and two, that my whole neighborhood on weeknights was hanging out, pretty much throwing parties to watch him do it. I had never seen anything like that in my life. And growing up, I always had this weird love-hate relationship with Kobe. And like mm-hmm. I've mentioned so many times, I'm a diehard Suns fan. And that's why. I mean, Kobe, I felt like he was on this planet just to ruin my life. And it was like this relationship I had with him. I mean, I hated him like you hate your ex-girlfriend that just broke up with you and keyed your car. I hated Kobe I thought you were talking to me there for a second. No, no, no. But I, I had this thing with Kobe where I just couldn't stand him. and. It was because he just was so good that he dominated Phoenix and ended my hopes of watching them win the finals every single year it seemed like and I've never had a hate for a player like that in my life and as I got older and I kind of grew as a person and grew as an athlete and got more competitive and got to the point where I was playing high school ball and I played baseball which is a lot different than basketball but the mentality that he played the game with and the way he carried himself I found myself kind of having that same outlook on the game and that same mentality and that same tenacity for wanting to win that he had and it really made me appreciate him and grow to like him as I got older and that hate for him that I had growing up kind of turned to love and I began to appreciate him so much because there were so few people that had the dog in him like he had and I felt like I played that way and whether I knew it or not the entire way that I went about sports and the way I thought about it was totally molded and impacted by kobe even though i completely hated the guy growing up and he wasn't just one of those players either at the end of his career that rode off into the sunset he goes travels the world you never hear from him again Mm -hmm. he wasn't one of those people when he retired that was just a way for him to reinvent himself away from basketball i mean the things he was doing investing winning academy awards being a father the stuff that he was doing and the way that he took the mamba mentality out of sports and applied it to his life that was so impactful and maybe more impactful than what he did on the court because i know i struggled when i quit playing sports it's like shit wh- what do i who am i now what am i looking forward in, or looking forward to what do i have to work on you know to distract myself from normal life and be my getaway and the way that kobe just changed who he was and made the seamless transition from athlete to entrepreneur and artist and so many things that inspired me to do more with my life and take that Mamba mentality and apply it to whatever I'm doing. And I mean, whether you're a firefighter, whether you're a cook in a kitchen somewhere, whether you're a high school teacher, Kobe Bryant made people want to be the best at whatever they were doing. And that's what I'm going to take away from the legacy. He's leaving more than anything is whatever you're doing Be the best. Have that Mamba mentality, Mamba mentality, excuse me, and kick some ass. I mean, just go full force into whatever you're doing and don't stop because that's how he lived and what he accomplished in basketball and in the small time he wasn't playing basketball is remarkable and he would have done so much more. I mean, it it still seems unfathomable to think he's gone. It seems like I'm going to flip on a Lakers game in a couple weeks and he's going to be courtside and it feels like it's going to be that way forever. You know, he just seems like one of those people that was going to be a fixture with Jack and so many others at Staples Center for life, you know, for the foreseeable future. But he's not going to be, and that's really hard to deal with and still hasn't hit me entirely. But at the end of the day, he's always going to be in Staples Center the number eight, the number 24 are always going to be hanging over everyone, and his presence will be there. And what he's done for the game will live on forever. I mean, you see it in everyone's games. You see it in Devin Booker. You Jason see it in Tatum. 30. I know there was a tweet highlighting the same thing. There's so many players that have modeled their game after him and taken his mentality. And just pushed themselves so far. And the way that he trained with the young guys and how much stock he took in the game and gave back to it, I think that's the hardest thing to lose. But at the same time, we're all so lucky and so blessed to be able to have watched the greatness that he put in day in and day out for everyone to watch and the legacy that he left behind that lives in so many people. And that's really all I've got on this. But at the end of the day, thank you, Kobe. I mean, the legacy lives on. The marathon continues. He did so much for the game, and, I mean, it just is going to snowball. It, it will just keep snowballing and keep snowballing, and Kobe will be synonymous with the game of basketball. And people have said it. They think he, they should change the logo to Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. I think Jerry West would be on board with that, and it's a great idea. Yeah. Rest in peace. Mamba out. He'll live on forever. That's all I got.
1: Yeah, in our, in our notes, I – told you i had a question for you at the end i was going to ask you what you think about him becoming the logo it sounds like you're on board yeah, with it
0: i'm totally on board 100 i mean he had his blemishes outside of basketball and he was not the perfect person and i think that would be one big objection to it mm-hmm. but at the end of the day everyone knows he was a hell of a guy he did everything in his power to right his wrongs he learned he grew as a person and he did so much for the game i think he totally deserves it mm-hmm well,
1: I think that what, was...
0: What are your thoughts on all this? What do you have?
1: You know, you said, you said a few of the exact same things as I was kind of going to get at. You said the entrepreneur, the artist, the basketball player, you know, that's not really all that he's going to be remembered for. It's gonna be, He's going to be remembered for his uh, maniacal drive to be the best, his attention to detail, his, his drive to learn. He was always a student. You know, Kobe wasn't a guy that went to college. He, you know, books were his, books were his teachers, you know, uh, other greats in the NBA yep. were his teachers. He wanted to learn whatever he could to better himself. And I think it translated so purely into what he was doing with Gigi and his family. And, you know, I'm pretty plugged in listening to NBA writers and their podcasts, reading articles, whatever on Twitter, you, you name it and the past few months I've been seeing a lot of stuff about him and coaching Gigi and you know him courtside then that kind of meme went viral of him teaching her courtside at the Nets game yeah 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 and I just know if he had the opportunity to get Gigi to UConn play for Gino Ariema which was one of her goals he would have done everything in his power to make her good enough to get there that's that's kind of the legacy that I'll take with me you know he always wanted to be the best he always wanted to be a lifelong learner and that's kind of that's how I'll Uh, look at Kobe for the rest of my life someone who was looking to teach others someone who wanted others to be motivated to be their best and I kind of have had this realization in my life that you know I want to be an educator I want to be a teacher I'm going to continue to read and learn my whole life so you know I can try to be the best and pay it back and I think that's exactly what Kobe was going to try and do the rest of his life and he was already doing a damn good job at it and it showed and you know that's that's really just what stood out to me and you know I can only aspire to be the father that he was to his girls and you know God bless his wife and his family all the other victims on the helicopter Uh, you know that's just not something that you ever expect to happen and you know he had taken millions and millions of rides via helicopter and so something like this to happen you just it is completely unfathomable and i know so many people are affected you know i see lou williams tweeting every 30 minutes something comes back and hits me and i start crying again you know just it's just really saddening to see the impact that it's having on the players and like you said they rightfully should have canceled that laker clipper game tomorrow uh those guys would have been emotional wrecks on the floor. I'm not even sure any of them would have wanted to play let alone cared who won.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of guys who still aren't ready to play.
1: Yeah, and you know, some of the stuff that I you know, I've left out so far, you know, I was never a big Kobe fan. I hated Kobe growing up. You know, you and I didn't have yeah. a local NBA team to root for, so we followed the stars and the players we loved the most. Well, for me, Oklahoma State basketball was the thing I probably loved more than anything else in the world. And Tony Allen was playing on those Boston Big Three teams. So I was always rooting for the Celtics against the Lakers. And I just remember how much I could not stand to see Kobe win and Kobe this, Kobe that. You know, the rings started adding up whenever he got them in 2009 and 2010 along with that comes the mj comparisons and that just that just made me so mad. I was like, Kobe will never be MJ. I like I just disliked him so much. And that's kind, yeah. that's that's not the point in all of it, all of this. It's it's how much he mattered and the fact that I even felt that way towards him. You can be a fan of any team you wanted in the league and you were going to have an opinion on Kobe. You know, he was he was that guy for us. I always thought I was going to be like a starting point guard on a college basketball team. I never really thought about the NBA because like I said, like Oklahoma state basketball was the biggest thing ever for me, but all the kids who were big in NBA, you know, when we were growing up, 11, 12, 13, they were wearing Kobe jerseys. They were shooting turnarounds before practice saying Kobe or in class, throwing trash away, saying Kobe. And I just think that stuff is going to carry on and, you know when I was at the gym yesterday a guy showed up in a 24 jersey you know guys are throwing up threes and all I could think of is saying Kobe in my head like it's it's just crazy um, I really never could have imagined that he would have such a big impact on me and I think you know you've covered everything like all the animosity the distaste I had for him while he was playing that completely evaporated when I got to college you know we both of us matured as you mentioned and he just kind of became a role model you know pay attention to detail do the little things correctly put your all into everything that you do if you have a craft work hard at it otherwise what is the point point? and so I think right. I think there's a lot to learn from Kobe he's he's a figure that will be stuck in the minds of basketball fans and you know hard-working people for the rest of our lives and I I was thinking like whose death has ever had this kind of impact on us in our lives and the only
0: uncomparable yeah
1: I I can't think of anyone you know my girlfriend called me about it I was never expecting to hear you know her care so much and she's telling me she's choked up all day long you know thinking about it I don't think I went five minutes yeah. yesterday without thinking about it uh, you know it's like Michael
0: I barely got off the couch
1: yeah it's like Michael Jackson that kind of shook the world uh, Princess Diana I'm sure one that, that did was the
0: same magnitude I could think yeah, yeah.
1: the celebrity death that choked me up was Anthony Bourdain just cuz I liked you know what he stood for seeing the world seeing new cultures just getting a taste of it all but like Kobe Bryant yeah it's it's a whole another magnitude
0: it really is and it it was unique because it hit you know the generations above us really hard because they you know they were in early adulthood and got to really see everything Kobe was we were so young we got to see a lot of it but not not really the full scope of it I don't think and it hit so many generations so hard because he was the guy that we all grew up with and the generations above us it wasn't LeBron was, yet he was There MJ yeah LeBron wasn't there yet and you know to me there was there was MJ then there was Kobe and then there was LeBron and I don't think that there is another person's passing who has ever affected multiple generations in the u s like this. I mean Michael Jackson mm-hmm. was big, but I know our generation this hit us ten thousand times harder than that or at least most people
1: mm-hmm i would I would tend to agree it's,
0: it's insane, man and it, it's sad LeBron <laughs> just actually posted for the first time since and he was pretty much just saying, you know, I, I'm not ready to even say anything yet, but here I go, and talked about how, you know, he's going to carry on Kobe's legacy and he'll live on through him and all this stuff. and It's just sad time, man, sad time in sports, sad time in basketball. Not- and, you know, it's hard to take anything good from this, but at the end of the day, you know, he would want you to. And at the very least, we can sit here and look back and be thankful for the massive massive impact that he's had on sports and the game of basketball and really the mentality of young people we live in a culture where everything is so soft and here's your here's your trophy and your pat on the butt for you know participating kobe kobe (laughs) he pushed back against that mindset and he really ingrained a mindset of second place is just the first place winner give everything you've got and go win because that's what it's all about and you know not that to say winning is everything but he really just implanted a mindset of bust your ass and don't be satisfied with being anything but the best
1: Mm -hmm. i don't know how the tnt crew is gonna do that game on thursday i wonder if Shaq will be there i know it's i know they were pretty i hope
0: i hope he is but only if he's able to be there because in a weird way seeing how much it all means to them I appreciate it. You know, I I saw a lot of people paying their respect yesterday and posting videos and whatnot. And so many of them were so impactful. And I think the one that I saw that hit me the hardest was Brian Shaw, just talking about everything that Kobe meant to him and how he had lost his parents in a car crash and what he took away from that and what he's going to take away from his time with Kobe. And if you haven't seen that, go check that out. It was Mm -hmm. on NBA TV and it's a pretty cool couple minute long tribute that Brian Shaw paid to him. And some some pretty impactful words it's one of those things that kind of sticks with you and you can definitely take something from it mm-hmm. um any final thoughts here i i really don't think there's too much more i could say
1: nah man mama mentality forever i'm i'm gonna keep grinding i'm uh, gonna try to you know take his legacy and instill it into my own life and i don't know man exactly Mama and mentality. To every,
0: everyone out there Everyone out there who's sad about this and it's hitting them really hard and they're struggling with it. I know people who grew up worshiping the ground Kobe walked on and basically were born in 24 and eight jerseys. Take away everything that he left the game and everything he taught you and just know that you have so much of that Mamba mentality in you. Use it, harness it, know that Kobe would want you to keep kicking ass and so we all will. That's all I've got.
1: All right, let's switch gears here and talk about Zion Williamson. We have not had a chance to talk about his first three games yet. I know we recorded right before his debut last week. But, man, we got to get into it.
0: Yeah, we do. So, I one, I'm glad that Kobe got to see Zion play at least a couple games because I know he saw that. I know Gigi was watching. His very first game, man, it was – it was incredible. I don't want to say it seemed like the passing of the torch from LeBron to him, but it almost felt like it definitely the passing of did not. The torch?
1: <laughs> it definitely did not.
0: It did a little bit to me, man. It it was kind of disappointing. His minutes were so limited. He was out there in three to four minute spurts, and it kind of just looked like you know what? We might just see seven or eight points, a couple rebounds, and that's all. They were all over his head for being chubby. Mark Jackson was just laying into him and at one point didn't uh, Mark Mitchell, Jackson
1: say jaw was the right pick I think um,
0: he did I, I think he I have no idea honestly Mark Jackson he, uh, he says a lot But anyway, they were all over Zion. I know Mitchell on Hot Take Hoop said that Zion looked like he was playing with cinder blocks on his feet, and it was totally true. He did. He was slow in transition. He was usually the last one down the court, but then he would just turn it on real quick when he needed to, and all of a sudden you'd see the bunnies in his feet, and he would just take off and make an incredible play. And in the fourth quarter, I mean, he just got hot. They were struggling. They were down around 10 points, I want to say, and they left Zion open from three because he struggled to shoot it in college. That was no secret. The three ball is not uh, not a strength of his game, and he knocked one down, yeah. and he knocked another down, and he knocked another down, and he knocked another down. <laughs> and, man, I'm not kidding. I was up off the couch screaming, going crazy. I mean, all my buddies I was watching it with, we couldn't believe it because we'd all kind of expected at this point you know, damn, we're going to have to deal with the Zion's a bus talk and everyone just roasting him for being fat and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, he just has a 17-point spurt over three minutes where he takes the Pelicans back in the game, cuts it to a one-possession game, even gives them the lead at one point and just clutches up and essentially says, pipe down, everyone, I'm here. And I've never seen a player's debut like that in my life. I'm sorry that I'd call it an overreaction, but... That was everything that I hoped for in his first game, times twenty.
1: It was like Grayson Allen's performance in the national championship, but for a rookie <laughs> yeah, in their debut. I,
0: I like that. I like that.
1: How about that? Um, I gotta agree. If he if it were like a passing of the torch moment, it was in that fourth quarter. It it drove me up a wall when they pulled him out of the game. I'm like, yeah. You guys you guys actually have a chance to make the playoffs. You actually do. Put the damn kid in the game. He scored I 17 kind of, straight points for you. I get What it, are and, you doing?
0: Well, Alvin Gentry, after the game, he came out and he said, he didn't even address it at first, and then said, and listen, he wasn't going back in the game. The training staff said he was done. They said his minutes were up. I wasn't putting him back in. And so I get that. If you go in there with a hard cap on how many minutes he has and he's hit that, yeah, you don't go over just because the game's close. I stand by that. I respect that. But my thing is, and in the second game this showed, they needed him at the end. And he looked solid. Yeah, in the they first needed game, him in
1: the first.
0: In the first game, he posted 22, 7, and 3 in 18 minutes. And, you know, if you just had 18 minutes going in for him and you were going to go 4 4, 4 at the start of each quarter, I get it. You know, that is fine. Okay. But the thing was. In the second game it was a very similar type deal he had 15 points and six rebounds he wasn't quite as effective didn't have any crazy runs like he did in the first game but he played solid and they were definitely better when he was in the game and my thing was sure you know if you're gonna have a 20 minute cap on it or whatever it is for game two that's fine if you're gonna put him in in the fourth quarter let's save some minutes for the end though you know if you want to put him in two to three minutes spurt at the start of the game cool, but let's pull him pretty fast, or start of the fourth quarter, that's cool, but let's pull him pretty quick so we can be able to put him back in with two to three minutes left if the game is close. Let's see what he's made of. I mean, I I get maybe not wanting to put too much pressure on him night one saying, go win it, but shit, you just saw what the guy's made of. Like, you just got, you (laughs) literally just got given a Ferrari. You know, go see if you can get it up to 120 or so. I get being careful, but shit, you don't have to keep going 40 and a 60 forever. I mean, you can can hit the gas a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: No, I didn't I didn't really watch any of the Nuggets game. I was I was busy during that one, but I watched every single minute of the Celtics game yesterday. And damn did he look impressive. They do look better with him on the floor. He does get a little bit lost on defense sometimes. I saw Kimba yeah. blow by him. People are gonna try his to get him step, switches and whatnot. He's gotta
0: get that first step back, but I think it's something that'll just come with time and be in a better shape. He,
1: Exactly. That'll come with time. That'll come with, you know, figuring out his opponents. Uh, the game will slow down for him. He's already going to have an incredible recovery if someone blows by him in the first place. So it's not like anyone needs to worry too much about that, but the dude just jumps off the screen and I think his presence on the floor is already felt. You can see this with his team. It's like, you know how, Russ used to come off the floor in his MVP season and then the subs would just let up the lead. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's how it is already. Like watching the Celtics game yesterday, anytime he was on the floor, he was getting put backs, you know, grabbing the hustle rebound, whatever it was making the little plays and the Pelicans would just chip away and build a bigger and bigger lead. And then he'd come off because he is still on a weird minutes restriction thing, and they would go like seven minutes, six minutes without him playing. Pretty much he would start every single quarter, then they would sit him the entire rest of the quarter, and the lead would just get smaller and smaller. Then they'd put him back in, it would grow again.
0: I think part of it is – oh, go ahead and finish here.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say, in the fourth quarter – it looked like they were going to leave him off the floor a little bit too long. Fortunately, yeah. a couple of big plays were made, and they didn't necessarily need him, but they still threw him back in late in the game. And my God, dude, the put-back dunks. We, yeah, got, we got the them, highlights yeah. already.
0: I was you know, kind of hoping selfishly that the Celtics were going to go on a little run and get it to three or four points. I mean, they got it to seven or eight at one point. But
1: I was worried I, they I weren't going to put see- him in if they did.
0: No, they were going to. They were going to regardless. <laughs> and I was hoping the Celtics would get it to two or three with a few minutes left, and the Pelicans would be struggling on offense, and Zion would have to come in and just take over and ice it. And we'll get mm. to see that soon. I'm excited to see him you know, down the stretch in close games. But I think one big yeah. thing that people – aren't really paying enough attention to or maybe paying attention too much attention to in the wrong light is Brandon Ingram. I know a lot of people have been kind of nitpicking at him since Zion came back and said, oh, he's selfish. He's just about his shots. The only reason he was playing well is because he was getting all these shots with Zion out. But that's a big adjustment going from being the guy and putting up 26 a game and having all these touches to having somebody else come back and kind of being a new toy that is sort of the focal point of the offense. And goes away from the you know the sets and plays you've been running and that changes everything I mean offensively defensively Zion out there it's a huge difference and I think it's just going to take some adjusting and I think it's going to get to the point where you know like you were saying the second unit would run up the score when Westbrook would come off I think it's going to be like that with Zion and I think when Zion comes off the floor it's going to kind of be Brandon Ingram's turn to just really exert his will on the defense and just try to fill the bucket up And I think they're going to run the offense through Zion a lot when he's in the game via pick and roll and kind of putting him at the top of the the, uh, paint and letting him run the offense sort of like Bam Adebayo does with Miami. I think they're going to do a lot of creative things, getting the ball in Zion's hands. And one thing that you could really tell from the start was that he made an impact, like you were saying. I mean, it it was one of those things when even he wasn't getting the ball, you know, they weren't necessarily force-feeding him touches like they were early on in the first game. There'd be three- Mm -hmm. or four-minute stretch where he didn't get any, you know, get any touches offensively, but he'd still make an impact on defense. He'd get a deflection or he'd get a rebound and a pass in transition or just do something some little thing to give the Pelicans a break. And he had his turnovers. I'm rambling a little bit here and I'll finish it up. But, you know, he had his mistakes. (laughs) He had his screw-ups in the Celtics game. I'm really excited if you can't tell talking about him. But even with his mistakes, (laughs) his basketball IQ, and just being in the right place, making the little plays made up for all of the mistakes. And there was never a moment where I think he was hurting the Pelicans being on the court. He's been nothing but a positive since he's been there. And I'm Mm -hmm. just excited to see what the future holds
1: in that first game people were pissing me off because they're like oh he sucks just because yeah, he's fat. They, they would try to get him a touch and a couple times he looked a little bit lost he made a couple bad yeah. passes and he, you wasn't, could tell he wasn't he wasn't comfortable
0: just, just getting dumped all these touches every possession
1: yeah you could tell it was just the speed of the game and you mentioned like you expect him to be utilized a little bit like Bam out of bio, and I said Draymond Green last week when we recorded. Right. I do think that's coming, but I think we're a little bit far away from that. I don't know if it'll be this season that he's finally kind of like into that type of role for the team. I think they still will continue to look at Bi and Drew Holiday as the first as a one and two option on offense and Zion will just kind of continue to ease his way into this team. you know they they really aren't trying to get him in ISO's like sets that often unless it's down on the block and he had that no. really nice turn and over his right shoulder against yes. Hayward and I think Smart were that. both on him.
0: He dominated, Jalen Brown was on him a lot too, and he dominated <clears throat> all of the smaller people that the Celtics put on him. And one thing yeah. I've noticed that teams are doing, and I think a big part of the reason why they're not giving him the ball, you know, in an ISO situation or an open space, teams are kind of giving him the Giannis wall. And when he starts to drive, Mm -hmm. teams are stacking the paint really fast and essentially saying, we're not going to let you drive by us. There's either going to be a block or a charge here or you're going to turn the ball over. And so I think Mm -hmm. the Pelicans know that. The Pelicans aren't going to put him in a position where he isn't going to succeed. And like you were saying, I think they're going to progressively work him in. And I do think he'll get to the point where he's running the offense like bam. And they've given him some touches like that. A lot of it was early on in the first game when, you know, they were just really trying Yeah, a lot of dribble handoff stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Just trying too hard to get him the ball. But he's one of those guys that's just so easy to play with because he does so many great things off the ball. It's going to be an easy transition and an easy fit for them. I just hope that Brandon Ingram can continue to play at the level he's been playing at this year because if Zion comes in the mix and plays like he has been and ingram plays like he has been drew plays like he has been jj reddit keeps knocking down shots man that team is going to be so much fun
1: Mm-hmm. i think you made a really good point there about zion doing the things that the team doesn't ask of him and i, I like i just think if all the guys on their team lonzo bi jj whoever yeah. they play their game zion will so easily just work his way into that team and produce and however whatever fashion he needs to do they don't need to try and give him the ball and say Score. exactly
0: they don't need to force anything he's gonna get he's gonna get 20 10 and three without even getting any passes essentially i mean he can do it all yeah. on rebounds put back steals i mean it did it's incredible. He, he just does so many great things without the ball in his hands and finds a way to be around the ball. I mean, it seems like he's always there, always jumping up in a crowd, getting his hands on the ball when he was 25 feet away when the shot went up. And that's one of the most impressive things.
1: Mm-hmm. My only gripe about him is that he doesn't dunk it enough. He has that two-footed jump from about halfway down the paint. Where it looks like he's gonna dunk, but he always oh, lays, he lays it, it, it in, in off the glass. No, that's
0: beautiful. He just sees that how they're gonna contest. No, that drives no, 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 me nuts. That it- drives me nuts. If he goes straight at someone there and tries to put him on a poster, there's a decent chance he gets blocked or he gets a charge. I mean, the block is probably way lower odds than the charge, but when he elevates like that in the air, he can go left or right, and he's so freaking athletic with such long arms and such a high vertical, he can go left and lay it up, or he can go right and lay it up, or he can do, you know, he can pass and do whatever he needs to in the air because his vertical is so damn high. I mean, it feels like he's hanging in the air for four seconds. (laughs) That's
1: fair. My thing is, he did the same thing in college, and every single time, I would be like, "Dude, just dunk it on the guy." Not only is the crowd gonna go nuts, you're gonna get so much momentum off the big play. Like maybe you are he's not just doing them a favor. Mf Williamson. To maybe he goes up and of he's
0: Nah, he probably goes up and he's like, "Oh, oh, we've got uh, you know, we got Tatum down there. I don't want to do Tatum like that. I'm just gonna lay it up."
1: My only thing is like keep laying it in in case of injury like jumping off two feet is significantly more dangerous than leaving off of one yeah and I don't want him to get hurt so I guess if you want to keep laying it in and that works for you and it mitigates some injury risk go ahead but in terms of like him becoming a transcendent player and growing his game I think hopefully we'll start to see him handle the ball a little bit more become a little bit more of a distributor but i think all of these things are a few years away and like you said he's gonna he's gonna contribute so much already
0: right it's all positive signs here and like you were saying you know it might be a season or two i think this summer we'll get to see him kind of make Those big adjustments to his game and, you know, get the three ball looking a little bit better, get the handles tightened up to the point where he's able to push it and transition and kind of play as a Mm -hmm. point four more. I think that's all coming this summer and this this, you know, half of the season is really just gonna kinda be the preseason for him and that team and really a test run for next year and see what they need to work on <clears> and what they need to get better at and specifically what Zion needs to get better at. I think making making the A seed is just a plus at this point, yeah, I'm sure it's their goal, but, you know, that team's really looking forward to the future and next season already, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I just hope they see what they've got and they decide to build around him and they don't get into a Philadelphia type of situation where they got two you know, budding superstars that just don't fit well at all together. But I like to think that it won't be Yeah, exactly. Like
0: you're saying, yeah, I I love their pieces. Zion and Lonzo are going to be best friends because they complement each other's game beautifully. I mean, you can see it. The lob passes uh, Lonzo throws to Zion is just Off the
1: inbounds play, that was awesome. Yes,
0: that was awesome. There were so many of them. There were a lot of lobs Lonzo threw. (laughs) I was like, damn, Lonzo, where are you going with that? And then Zion would just come out of nowhere, and I'm like, all right. Forget Zion's Yeah, It's kind of a different story. A little bit of all-star talk. We recently got the results of the starters. I've kind of got some mixed feelings about it, but at the end of the day, I feel like they did a decent job. You want to take us through here what we've got for the all-star game starters?
1: Yes, sir. Starting with the East, Trey Young, there was a little bit of... Should he make it? Should he not? Around that decision, a, but
0: a lot of bitch, but yeah, yeah.
1: Trace snuck his way in. Then we got Kimba, that is the smallest backcourt I've ever seen. Um, then we <laughs> have Siakam, Giannis, and Joel Embiid out of the yes, east. Sir. Those are your starters. Reserves are being announced later this week, I believe, yeah, and in no the west. The West, I completely agree with. I voted a couple times myself, and this was the five I had. James Harden, Luka, LeBron, Kawhi, AD. I don't really see what other variation there is in the West than that.
0: There's no arguing with that. That's just rock solid. I mean, there's there's no argument you could make for any of those guys not to be a starter.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't so, know. What do you what do you not like in here?
0: Well, I mean, I'm sold on the West, but the East I just have a lot of mixed feelings about. And ah, the Trey young thing, it's just ah, ah, yeah, he should be there, but it, it it's painful. Um uh, one thing I want to pose to you real quick before we get too much into, you know, who should be and shouldn't be here. Do you like the way they do this because the game is so positionless now. We don't need you know, a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, and a center as our all-star game starters because most starting lineups in the NBA aren't like that. You know, it's positionless. So mm-hmm. I, the one, the one big beef I've got. I mean, I'll just get right to it. Jimmy Butler, he's got to be in the East there somewhere. And people made the argument, <laughs> oh well, you know, he's a forward technically, so you know he'd have to make it over Giannis, Siakam, or anyone you know, one who of the watches two.
1: basketball. know he's not like a true small forward he he is no, handling a, a, the ball so much
0: yeah well it's the NBA's is positionless you know like if you had to put a true position on him he's a shooting guard or small forward but i mean he plays the point guard and runs the offense and it's just stupid it should just be the five best players that's the way i see it and i think if that is the case jimmy butler is definitely in there and either trey young comes out Or maybe Siakam comes out, or even Embiid. Honestly, Mm -hmm. what do you think on that? I mean, you think Jimmy's got to be in there, right?
1: I, you know, whenever I first saw it, I didn't really think Jimmy immediately. You're who are you taking out of here? Are you taking Siakam out and putting Jimmy in? Because I would argue Siakam needs to be in there after what he's doing with Kawhi gone. To be honest, if you want to make the the case
0: i probably take Trey Young out and put him in there. Or maybe even Embiid. Embiid's been banged up, and the 76ers have been really disappointing. So, yeah, Embiid or yeah. Trey Young, I take them out and put Jimmy Butler in there. And I know Jimmy's stats aren't as lofty as Trey Young's, but you got to look at one, what he does defensively, two, what he does for the team to win, and three, the caliber of star he is and veteran he is. I mean, you can't tell me that Trey Young is mm-hmm. more of an all-star making a better impact on his team, doing more to win than Jimmy is. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy arguably is doing the most out of any player for his team to win. They don't even have but anyone hey, else man. that you could consider a star on that team. I mean, maybe Bam, but Jimmy's the guy. I mean, he's he is just leading the charge in Miami, and they keep winning. They're the two in the East. The guy's got to be there. It,
1: are they're taxing him for showing up hungover last year or whatever year that was <laughs> that maybe it. It. that's I think it was it, two man. or three the, years
0: ago but
1: the media vote was like who are we kidding this guy didn't want to play let's throw well, trey young in there
0: he he's also pissed his fair share of people off and is not the most beloved person by the media and rightfully so but the way i think about it is you him. just you just got to be objective and look at this year you know This year, Jimmy has made no bad headlines. He's caused no waves. He's been nothing but a winner and a good veteran teammate. So I I just don't get it. I mean, we don't need to stay on this forever. I think a lot of people would agree. But that's really my only beef with the All-Star Game starters here. I think Jimmy should be in there for the East.
1: Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot on the All-Star Game just because, you know, they don't try that hard anymore. But yeah did you realize trey Young's putting up twenty nine point five points a night right now through forty two yeah, games
0: that. I know that and it's cool and all, but i mean shit man like is Dinwiddie an all star now <laughs>
1: you got an obsession with Dinwiddie.
0: No, it's just one of those things. Dinwiddie, everyone on his team, all the other guards have been hurt. He came in there, put up great numbers. I mean, they won some and they're around 500 when he was starting, but you know, putting up over 20 points a game. Yeah. He was not putting up Trey young numbers, but like my thing is sure. Trey young's winning a lot, but they don't have anything else. I mean, Who else is supposed to score? John Collins was out for a long time, and Trey was just jacking up a ridiculous amount of shots, and they're losing, and he plays no defense. That's the other thing. I think, yeah, his offensive numbers are great, and on that side of the ball, he's a ton of fun to watch, but could you tell me any other guards in the East who are much worse defenders on the perimeter? I I can't think of anyone who's a worse defender. Like, if I have to go one-on-one... Or, you know, if, if if my life depends on it and you tell me pick one NBA player to guard you, you've got to get one bucket, I'm probably <laughs> gonna pick Trey Young.
1: Alright. And I know that's that's, that's ignorant, that's yeah. Probably there's there's fair. worse
0: defenders, but like defense has to matter some, right? And winning has to matter a little bit, surely.
1: Yeah. No, I think it does. I just That Hawks team is so bad. I don't know why you ever made that bet with me before the season. The John
0: Collins thing messed it up, man. They looked good (laughs) to start the year. John Collins got hurt. That's another subject. But to be honest, the guards in the East are pretty weak. I mean, Jalen Brown for a little bit, I thought maybe he deserves to be in there. But you can't have him and Kimba, and I think Kimba deserves it more. We're Um,
1: talking about starters, though. And I guess if you want to make the case for Jimmy over somebody okay, but that's yeah. six people. And then if you're talking about the reserves, it's the Wings in Boston, Brown and Tatum. It's Beal. It's Zach Levine, which Brogdon I do not like at all. Brogdon, Brogdon should, should be, be there. Brogdon should be a reserve for sure. No doubt about that. The, the Pacers have been too good. I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm fine with it, to be honest
0: okay yeah I mean I'm not freaking out I think Jimmy deserves to be in there but that's really my only beef with it I just think it's dumb that the way they set it up with the point guard shooting guard small forward power forward and center I don't love that but that's really all I got here on the all stars any final thoughts anything you want to touch on here before we go
1: nah man Um, take your time grieve over Kobe however you want you deserve it uh, let's keep that Mamba mentality going, man. I'm going to be saying that a whole lot going forward. Yep. And yep. that's all I got, man. We're going to be back with another pod later this week. Super Bowl prop bets, a little Super Bowl hype there. So I'm excited for that. But
0: Oh, yeah, a little Kansas about City barbecue it for me. talk, all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> yep, that's all I got also. Looking forward to this next pod we got coming out. And Mamba mentality, baby, the marathon continues.
1: There it is. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the At The Minute podcast. You know the drill. Please rate, review, subscribe. Give us that five-star rating, and we will talk to you later this week about some Super Bowl, baby.